This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. Happy Monday to everybody. Hopefully everybody's recovered from the Super Bowl and whatever shenanigans you got yourself into, whatever you decided to partake in, hasn't had a negative impact on you today. Many people believe, Dave, that today should be a holiday. Yeah. A national day off. That will be when... You know that pretty much the NFL is just going to overtake our government. <laughs> they're going to overtake okay. the country. They're just going to. They're just going to. They're going to run everything. Um, yeah, every after, state flag will be of that team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and we must get fifty of them. Yeah, yeah. Or else we'll just combine. Yeah, they, the Seahawks will represent a certain region. It'll be the state flag yeah. of Washington and Idaho and Montana. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean, it just. Uh, yeah, and it was it was a good game and everything. I thought a good product. We're going to complain a little bit, but yeah, I mean that was that was the thing everybody hopes for, right? Unless your team's in there. I got a text from uh, NASA Choby, who is the you know executive director of the pre and post and all that good stuff. He's like, "Damn it, guys! Next year we're working this game." So hopefully, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was good. Now to review once again, do you watch? By yourself, you and Frank. Me and Frank, and I had somebody else come over okay. for a bit. Yeah. For a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it was just me and Shannon and Hoover. And Hoover, when Shannon starts yelling and gets oh, excited. Shannon's yelling this time. Yeah. So then Hoover goes over and you know, <laughs> rings, the, rings bell. the bell. Let me out of here, Mom. Of here. So, but, uh, yeah, I like to sit down, take notes, just kind of take take the game in, yeah, watch I was, the commercials. I was typing notes into my phone yeah. and <laughs> tweeting and doing, yeah. Yeah, I like to focus. I like to I. That's all I wanted. I mean, listen, we we had our uh, our office pool. I I picked the Chiefs to win, but I didn't really care. I was like, give me give me a good game, just give me yeah. a compelling game, and it was thirty five thirty five. You're coming down to the final play, essentially. It's a, you're going to win on a field goal. Uh, that's all I wanted. That's you know, I didn't. If the Eagles won, okay, that's fine too. But I it was just I was just glad it was a close, compelling game. It looked like maybe the Eagles might run away with it at one point. Like, all right, is this where yeah. they're going to separate themselves? Because Everybody in like the pregame shows, everybody was picking the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Everybody, it was amazing. I'm like, man, you know, we always talk about how teams create a chip on their shoulder. Nobody thought we could do it, and certainly the Chiefs had people that believed they could do it. But if you're just looking at national voices, especially the TV analysts, they were kind of right. Everybody was picking the Eagles, so it was. Uh, it, it it looked like maybe for a bit there that it could get away from them. They were you know down by double digits and. Boy, it just turned into a great, compelling game. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I thought maybe the most glaring thing that didn't happen uh, for the Eagles to win were the sacks. Zero sacks None. in this game. And How is that possible? 70 sacks this year. 70 sacks. Next closest with the Chiefs, who had 55. So, yeah, they were just, I mean, all of their front seven or front four had double-digit sacks. They have a linebacker, Hassan Reddick, with uh, double-digit sacks. So, yeah, it was uh, that. That I thought the offensive line for Kansas City kind of stole the show. After you thought it was going to be the other way around. Well, yeah, after they didn't look so great before, and they we were talking about well, they got three replacements on that line, and yeah. you know, my goodness, what is going to happen against that Eagles team? Hey, kudos to their old line coach. Kudos to the to the play call. I mean, 
that was a great coaching job across the board for for the Kansas City Chiefs. They, especially in the second half, they scored yeah. every drive and went touchdown, 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 field goal. Well, against I, that defense, that their offensive coordinator. I know we're going to talk about Eric Bieniemy, and I, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if he is a head coach or not. But if I'm Andy Reid, I'm doing everything I can to keep him. Oh, and I don't know stay. if he had everything to do with all of those plays. But how many times do you see guys wide open? The one where the, the, the best coaching job I thought I saw was the one where the receiver goes in motion and stops. Mm-hmm. And then he's wide open. And they saw something on film. They saw their defenders put their heads down. Because, you know, when you're going across a formation, your guy motions across, the first thing you think is, okay, i got to get through all this traffic. Right, there's linebackers, right. there's DBs and everything. So your eyes go there, and the second that happened, receiver stops, goes outside, he's wide open. The other thing is a catch Kelsey had. What did everybody run this year? The deep sail. You know, tight end going across the, the deep over. And he starts running that, stops, goes back the other way. And his wide open. Hits him. <laughs> He's just so, always open. And that was all by design. They just did it. Now, some of it's certainly him, obviously. But uh, the touchdown that he caught, he was just so violent with his hands, getting that defender off of him, and then he runs the out mm-hmm. and up. You know, so yeah, he he does it on his own. But I thought, man, there was a lot of scheme there that they were able to find receivers wide open. Just they saw something. What a great coaching job! It was impressive. It really was. And and we'll get into all the particulars of the game and the officiating and all that. But it was just you know the back and forth nature of it. It just it was uh, you know seeing both quarterbacks playing out of their mind. You know, Jalen Hurts played a brilliant game outside of the unforced fumble, which crushed him. I mean, that was brutal. I don't, I don't know what happened. He just lost. Nobody touched the ball. They showed on the replay. You're like, did somebody swat at it and clip it? No, no. He just dropped it, and that was a that was a crusher. But, but uh, looking at it now, did you have a particular play you went? That's the play of the game right there. Mm-hmm. That's the one. There were there were three I sent you guys last night that I think could have been it. Uh, and we'll play them. I want to hear the play by play because we had the. TV copy, but I mean, Mahomes, we saw him get hurt again. You saw him, he got tackled, and the replay, you see his, his ankle gets bent. The guy falls on it, gets bent. And you're like, oh boy. And you see him just wincing in pain on the bench before the half. You're like, great, we're going to see Chad Henney in the second half. Did you see him bury his head in the trainer's shoulder? Yeah. Like, oh, I, was, this again. I was like, no, no. We, yeah. we talked about it. Let's just see this game full strength versus full strength. Let's not have weather be an issue. Let's say in the field, we'll get into that too. But but uh, I didn't want to see the game without Mahomes in the second half. And I, and I thought maybe that seeing him jog to the to the locker room was helpful. You're like, okay, yeah. he seems to be moving okay. But but uh, for him, still physically compromised, and he comes up with that 26-yard scramble in the fourth quarter. Mahomes in trouble, gets away. Mahomes racing with the bad ankle and all. Inside the 20, he's taken down. Somehow, Patrick Mahomes... He's a tough dude, man. Yeah, he really is. He is a tough dude. That was that was a huge play. Did you consider what might have happened at halftime? In terms of treating it? Yeah. Yeah, you would know more about that than I would. I was <laughs> I thinking know. they're in there working their voodoo. They're they're sprinkling, you know, some sort of magic dust on there. They're probably ejecting it. I don't and I, I would think it, you can't numb it though, because then you you're mm-hmm. really in danger of of rolling it if you can't feel it, right? If you've got it seems like if it's if you do that 
it could make it worse because he can't feel what he's doing. Yeah, nothing was said about it afterwards, of course. But, you know, if I'm the trainer, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sh- sign a waiver first or whoever the doctor is that throws a shot into his leg. But I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it just went away. I had the same thing, you know, sprain, the uh, high ankle sprain. You're, you got the tibia and the fibia. What is it for your arm? It's like the ulna and the radius or whatever. I had one time a <laughs> sure. wrist thing. Maybe the most pain I've ever felt. It was about two years ago where I was twisting the cap on something, and the bo- I could feel the bones rub together. Oh, it is so painful. Like It was like. It was eye opening. I was like, "This is this is amazing. This is the most pain I've ever felt." This is an amazing level of pain. I think it's the same thing with the the high ankle sprain. You know, when you those bones move, and it's just and maybe it was like you said, he was jogging off yeah. afterwards. So maybe it was just like one of those things that it didn't hurt afterwards because that's the same thing. It didn't really hurt afterwards; just hurt during. So maybe that was. I always think, well, you know, I know if it was like turf toe or something like that, ribs, they definitely would shoot it up. Certainly, I, I doubt it if it was his ankle, but I like to think so for some reason. He's, I like to think that Mahomes went in there and said, give me the needle. <laughs> give me. Stick me. I'm ready to go. Yeah, he's, he's a tough dude. Uh, so that was a huge, huge moment. Uh, the punt return. Longest punt return in Super Bowl history, courtesy of Kaderis Tony. Just the second punt of the day from Philadelphia. Here's Sipos. Low sinking kick. Tony on the run. Still up on his feet. Tony has a wall. That's another block. Tony inside the 20. Tony still going and he's down to the five. That was I think I called him Kadarius. It's Kadarius, but that was a huge moment. That was a huge play. He, that was one of those Dave that where it looked like he wasn't really running that fast. Like in the beginning, he was kind of, and he did have the wall. He he looked like he was just kind of you know picking a lane. Like all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna move left here. I'm gonna move right. He just he he had that wall of players in front of him, and that was a huge huge. It's surprising to hear that, though. Longest punt return in the history of the Super Bowl. Well, you don't get a lot of those just in general anymore uh, because the punting has gotten so good, yeah. you know, of when it arrives and when uh, your coverage gets there. But once again, I'm going to have to go with uh, with coaching on that one. If you look at – there were like nine players on the inside of the hash mark. There was nobody on the backside, and they had the and one of them. Okay, of the two was the punter. Yeah, well, he reversed field completely, ran all the way to his left. I think it was entirely by design because you think so? yes, because they had a wall setting there, and they I, again, I think they saw something on film. They saw something like these guys just run to the ball. They don't, you know, pick it, fence it, and that's what you're supposed to do. And even if you're, you know, on the backside, like number fifty-seven, I'm trying to remember his name. It was Andrews or something. The linebacker i was like what are you doing now i'm not taking anything away from the punt i think uh, i think david taub their uh their special teams coordinator i thought did a really good job of just exploiting something that he saw on film you know you see mm-hmm. those things as you prep and go yeah you know i think we can get a block here i think we can get this or that but i think there was a tendency of their coverage team to just entirely go to the ball instead of like i said picket fence where everybody's like three four five yards apart mm-hmm. and uh and and set that wall up so i thought that was a really good job you know just just again good coaching well yeah whether whether that was the actual play that was called or he did it on his own whatever it was a it was a massive moment and then the other one that stuck out to me uh was McKinnon when he you know they were basically letting him run in for the touchdown 
and he just had the wherewithal to take the knee and slide in at the at the one yard line, staying in bounds. Can essentially run it down to the field goal try. And McKinnon, see what he decides to do here. Yeah, he's got to get down. He's got to get down. And he does. And there'll be mere seconds left if they take it down and kick a field goal and have to kick off to Philadelphia. Yeah, you clearly saw Philadelphia is just giving them the green light there. So nice job, nice awareness there by McKinnon to stay in bounds and give himself up. Yeah, another another sort savvy of move coaching thing there. I mean, this is just a smart group of guys. I'm not taking anything away from the players. I'm just just saying that you know that was you know time was was more important than points at that point. So uh, yeah, it's just a uh, I don't know. It was it was exciting and you know the play which we'll get to. You know, yeah, I, I don't think you can just not call a, a play like that just because it's the fourth quarter of the the Super Bowl. I think you still have to play within the rules of the game. But, um, but yeah, that right there, I guess it was kind of disappointing. And then at the end, yeah, I mean, it was like, I, I feel like Jalen Hurts did us a favor <laughs> by throwing that ball like 20 yards because oh, the final? it was throw, just going to be a ridiculously stupid play, I'm sure. So. Yeah, not, not that that determined the outcome by any stretch, but I was looking at it going, what happened? Did the ball slip in his hand or something? Yeah, something <laughs> he looked like happened. he put everything into that throw, and it was like this – Wounded duck. Looked like something I would have thrown. Yeah, just, oh, you see all yeah. that effort, and it's just, it literally was it, like 25 yards in the air or something. Anyway, not, again, that didn't really have an impact on the, the final outcome. Uh, but the play that everybody, and as you might imagine, Dave, not being on the Twitter, people were going ballistic, hashtag rigged, hashtag <laughs> script. That's the other thing that's taking off on social media. Mm-hmm. It's scripted all because of that Arian Foster thing. Um, yeah. And that was my fear when I sent it to you guys. Like, people are going to believe this. I know they're joking. It's outrageous. But people are going to believe this. They do. I learned. They, they do. They believe it. it was a script was being followed, that that's what was supposed to happen, and that the officials were in on the script, uh, part of the play. But the play we're talking about, if for some reason you didn't see it, was a crucial holding call called on James Bradbury uh, late in the game. Mahomes, pressure, lofting one, end zone incomplete. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. Fire to the pass, holding, number 24, defense, five-yard penalty. I think on this stage, I, I think you let him play. Obviously, Mahomes thought he saw just it changes the entire complexion of how this classic game is going to end. So that's Greg Olson there chiming in, and and a lot of people upset that they made the call. First, there was the argument it wasn't holding. There was no hold. Well, that kind of got shot down with a guy who got called for the penalty after the game, speaking <laughs> yeah. with the media, James Bradbury. And I give this guy all the credit in the world because, you know, Philadelphia, they're not rational, those fans. They're not reasonable. No. And him saying this probably isn't going to sit well. I mean, that's not up for my judgment. You know, I, I was hoping he would let it go, but, of course, you know, he's a ref. Big game, um, and it was it was a hold, so they called it. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't get it. I couldn't give him more respect, Dave. Well, I agree, and then also just taking the steam out of the uh, out of the whole argument, you know. And it, I was on the the text with uh, with everybody, and people, you know, it was Moyer and Ray Roberts and Babino and Brian Walters, who's a receiver, and he's like, a receiver absolutely gets to that ball. That's a touchdown either way. Yeah. You know, so, and a lot of people thought it was, oh, you couldn't have caught that. 
Yes, he could have. Uh, he was held, and that's why he didn't get there. And I thought that was <laughs> – I told Brian Walters, because everybody there is pretty much defense. You know, you're talking about, oh, what are, you let him play, this and that. And Brian Walters, he stood tall in the pocket on <laughs> the text, yeah, on the text exchange. He wore it, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I even called him a, a – wussy wide receiver or something like that and he was like no yeah he he was right so i I give again i couldn't have more respect for james bradbury in that moment he could have easily said are you kidding me that cost us the game he could have gone the other way like all the philadelphia fans that so to me that that deflates any argument that it wasn't a penalty they showed the replay a thousand he grabbed the jersey once then he had the arm wrapped around him there was really no debate was it a penalty yes it was the debate is should you have called it is that should it be different than the other three and a half quarters? Should you approach the game differently when it's a close game and it's the Super Bowl as an official, or are you just a penalty is a penalty regardless? Or of compared to a regular season game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. that that is the debate. You you can't debate whether it was or was not a penalty. That's out the window. And if you want to debate that again, listen to the man who got called for it. He said it. Yeah, it was a hold. I was just hoping they'd let it slide. Yeah. So that- the argument becomes. Should they call it? Should they have a different approach in that setting? Yeah, and and that's the thing where people say this a lot. That and and I've even said it. Let's not have it come down to a penalty, you know, over some ticky tack thing. But that one, he held, kind of grabbed him twice. He yeah. hooked him once, and then he grabbed the jersey. So, you know, just to take the other side of it, why wouldn't you call it? I mean, it's it's something that would happen during the normal, you know, course of a of a season. Mm-hmm. So, and and I'm glad that it, that not only Bradbury came out, but that most people were thinking, yeah, okay, that's definitely a penalty because there was this whole thing that was catching fire about the officiating in the yeah. NFL, and that's you know that's one thing that could could bring them down. You know, we talked about earlier that they might be taking over the world, the NFL. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, that that would be something because every year there's some complaint or something they're not doing right because there's so much focus on them. And that's that's one thing that could have could have happened. And I'm just I'm glad that it was like I, I don't think anybody was uh, setting cars on fire in the street because of that. Uh, they were doing that before the game. I, oh. I tweeted out a video. <laughs> Somebody, what would be I, the point of that? I, well, it's Philadelphia. I don't. I don't know. They're, honestly, I, I retweeted. Somebody posted a video of Eagles fans out in the street turning a car over, and this was pregame. This is before the game, and they're all yeah, and they roll this car on its hood, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you, idiots? Was it on fire? No, it was uh. just a mob of. I mean, there looked like there were a thousand Eagle fans somewhere, and flipped a car. Like no, nobody right. got hurt. I don't think so. <laughs> just, I don't want anybody to die or know, you know get but, maimed or anything, but it would be kind of funny if yeah, somebody got Yeah, you'd go, ah, serves you right. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was, so yeah, they were tipping cars before the game, so God knows what's going on out there right now. But it, that that to me becomes the debate. Is in, in the other, there's an assumption there, Dave, that had they not come, now they were at the 15-yard line. I'm going to go ahead and assume that the, that the uh Chiefs would have converted on that field goal. Yeah. So you still kick the field goal. You still have the lead. The difference would be there were to be about 144 left on the clock right. with one timeout. And the assumption is the Eagles were going to drive down and score a touchdown and win the game. Right. Well, they, they punted on the drive before that. They weren't the, the Chiefs defense was doing a nice job out there. Who knows? Maybe they would have. Maybe they wouldn't have. But that becomes the assumption. Just, oh, you took it away from the Eagles. Well, the Eagles defense fell apart in the second half. Mm-hmm. Four possessions for the Chiefs. Touchdown, 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 field goal. 
<laughs> your defense let you down, and that is one of the best defenses in the entire NFL, and they got worked in the yeah. second half. So if you want to throw it all on this one play, you lost because of that. You're you're really ignoring what happened in that entire half of football. Yeah, well, and if that happens in the first quarter or second quarter, nobody blinks an eye. So, yeah, it's uh, it was called right, I, I thought. And, you know, Kansas City, as you said, I mean, no sacks. They did not allow a single sack of a team that got 70 during the season. So, you know, their offensive line obviously took it to them. And there was a <laughs> one of the random offensive linemen. I couldn't even see his number, and I don't know him by face, but he was the one guy that got interviewed. And I was like, man, there should be more guys out there yeah, getting stars. interviewed on their offense offensive line because they did a really good job by the way before we get to take two can i just tell you i'm proud of you why because i fully expected you to come in as a defensive player and say that it's unbelievable that no. they called that and and you picked the eagles to win the game so i thought all right dave's team lost he's a defensive mind he's a defensive player so he's going to err on the side of the defense and you've, you're opposite. Yeah, but I'm not a maniac, Bob. <laughs> I'm all of those other things. Well, Goldsmith says you're a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> a psychopath. Maybe that. That's just when it comes to baseball. I yeah. Guess. No, I, I actually expected you to come in and defend, like, hey, yeah, technically it was, but you can't call that. I mean, come on. What do we do? I thought you'd, you'd be on the side of the defense. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. Well, I appreciate that, Bob. <laughs> all right, let's take two. Glad to make you proud. <laughs> we're all about here. Well, how about the quarterback injury? It just never ends in the NFL. The Super Bowl just came to an end. Already we're talking about the offseason. Derek Carr officially won't waive his no-trade clause, so he's expected to be released before Wednesday's deadline, where the Raiders would have to guarantee him $40 million for next season. And ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports that the Jets have expressed interest in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the Jets apparently have interest in a few players. I read that thing during the snapshot that they hired the OC from the Titans. Yeah, good luck. Who's got who's got experience with Derek Carr. So there's, you know, they're right. drawing that connection to lure him there. And then obviously there's there's reported interest from the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. But Derek Carr, I'm guessing that that seems to be the smart and obvious move. If you're working with his agent, they're, this way you force the hand of the Raiders, they let you go, and you have your pick of any team rather than saying, all right, fine, I'll go to the Saints. Yeah, you know what's fun? I was listening to Bump and Stacy on the way in, and I thought Bump has answered the question really well. Like, what's the deal with Derek Carr? How come he's not, like, more in demand or whatever? Is It's the consistency. Like, he's been really good. Mm-hmm. A certain year, and then the next year, not so great. And so that that's the part. Hey, and also, uh, didn't uh, did Brett Favre go from the Packers to the Jets? He did. Yeah. And then... And then to the Vikings. To Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. So he got, he got hurt with the Jets. Like, his arm was, I recall, being jacked up when he yeah. was playing with them. But Aaron Rodgers to the Jets? That'd be weird. Hmm. Wonder how he'd handle how those people back east would handle him sitting in a dark room, and <laughs> eating mushrooms and whatnot. Well, I think he's doing that right now. Actually, he's still in the midst of his darkness retreat. Yeah, he just started it. Oh, okay. What well, it sounds like, according to Schlereth, it's going to be a total mess. <laughs> you gotta go there. Well, I just alluded to it. I didn't even. I'm just bring it up. Next I'm just glad he's alone. Did not didn't subject that to anybody else. Bring it up. Uh, well, speaking of a total mess, uh, MLB's competition committee voted unanimously today to make the runner on second rule permanent for all extra inning regular season games moving forward to eternity. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not used to it. I, I still don't love it, but I'm at peace with it. I'm like, all right, fine, you know. I, I, I'm tapping out on that fight, Dave. I surrender. That's it is what it is, yeah. and and I, like you, there are those moments where I'll leave and do something, come back, and I'm like, 
how the hell did that guy get on yeah. second? It's just for that brief Rewind moment, it. I'm like, oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. You know, but- well, you're better than I am because I have actually rewound it <laughs> and then gone, oh. Like, did he yeah. walk and, and then he stole second? And like four times, five yeah. times, you'd think that, uh, that I would. No, I. Yeah, still, I still don't understand that. Like, we're at an extra innings game. Let's hurry up and get through this. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. You I'm kill, you. you kill for an extra inning game. I'm with you. I'm with it's you. It's exciting. We're on the we're on the in the minority, Dave. We're on yeah. an island with that one. So, all right. Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org/slash/cyberknife/prostate. Coming up, the Chiefs rebuilt their O line after 2021, and it made all of the difference last night. We'll get into this next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports Station. Sour cream and hot sauce. Dave and I just reliving in the smorgasbord that took place at the Wyman household for the Super Bowl party that was just Dave and, and Shannon. <laughs> and Hoover. I, d- I just love that Dave over a text, I hope you don't mind me relaying this, uh, just reaffirming your, your infinite amount of love you have for your wife based on her ability to evenly distribute the chicken, all the toppings of the nachos. Yes. They were just like perfectly, it wasn't like a big chunk of chicken over here and some cheese over there. Right. It was like... It looked like a painting, like you just, it was the exact amount on each chip. Yeah, almost <laughs> as if each chip was perfectly, yeah, she takes lots of time. It cuts the, the avocado up small, not too small, because you want the taste. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, this is why I married her. <laughs> I love it. This hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckleshoot Casino. Uh, and by the way, you heard the the Walking Papers uh, music there. Happy birthday to our, our buddy Jeff Angel. It's hey, his birthday Jeff. today. Happy birthday. Yeah, lead singer, guitar player. 30 also? Uh, yeah, might be 31, 32, somewhere Something like that. that. Yeah, but uh, brilliant musician, and today is his birthday. So happy birthday to him. Uh, meanwhile, we were talking about this earlier in the show, but... Um, the Chiefs O line, especially Dave, considering how they looked against Cincinnati, yeah, which was not good. It wasn't good, and we heard you know they had three, three backups in there, and you know, oh my goodness, they look like that. Not not taking a shot at the Bengals, but the the sack leaders in the NFL are the Philadelphia Eagles, and they have one of the better defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, you got a hobbled Patrick Mahomes, who's probably not going to be nearly as mobile as he otherwise would be, and you've got. A very fearsome, ferocious defense you're playing against. This could be ugly. And what they did was amazing. I, I mean, it's just you see, if you if you ever doubted the importance of an O line and what it does to an offense, good or bad, last night was exhibits A, B, and C. Where the was it not? I mean, it was just amazing what they were able to get done. Yeah, and they came out in the in the second half and just started pounding the ball. I, I want to give a lot of credit also to Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say angry run because I know that might spur you, Bob, <sighs> for your hatred of a certain character on NFL Kyle Brandt. this morning. <laughs> you see that <laughs> video I sent you pregame, that yeah. twitchy little... I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> Did you watch that whole thing? He's... He's had too much coffee or something. Well, actually, what I did was, you know how you can scroll through the video? And if you do it that way, he mm. looks like a bird. Yeah. He's, he's looking around. Yeah. And he's, things and, he's not talking. I'm like, yeah. what's wrong with this guy? Anyway, go ahead. But, yeah, so Pacheco is somebody who is an angry runner. And, man, that that kid for, you know, it's kind of nice to know. I was telling Bump and Stacy this, that uh, it's nice to know you can get a guy in the sixth, seventh round and he can have that much of a meaning. 
uh, to you. So, I mean, that guy, look, I feel like that's where Ken Walker is going to be. And I thought Pacheco, I mean, rolling up to the game that the Seahawks played in Kansas City, I didn't see as much of that. I saw a little bit of that, but that kind of came on for him in the playoffs that he's just running really hard. Mm-hmm. I thought just in general, and this is why I'm, I'm really harping on the coaching job, the very first play of the game, I was like, the Chiefs are going to win because their defense was just, they were so freed up and they just were aggressive. Like, you know, in that two-week lull, a lot of times guys get caught up and they start off kind of slow. The first couple of hits that Kansas City had, they they were moving so quickly. It was like watching, um, you know, uh, the players without their pads in the flag football Mm -hmm. game. They were just on a different level. So you felt like, because the, Eagles drove the field on the first. They scored a touchdown on their first drive. Yeah. But you still felt like just based on the way the Chiefs were playing? You yeah, felt the, like- the, the way their defense played. Right. And, and that, those first couple, I was like, wow, that was that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm. I mean, just based on, yeah, they end up giving up the, the touchdown. But still, I just thought that uh, that and also the way that uh, obviously they freed guys up. And, and I'm not taking anything away from the players. But I, I, I just really love – the uh, the feeling that knowing that there are coaches that are sitting in a dark room running plays back and forth and back and forth and they find something yeah they're like this guy does this and we can talk to Moyer about this later this week because Paul used to you know be one of those guys it was like every time they do this he takes this kind of step or whatever so but um, but yeah I thought. I thought in the beginning that, yeah, their defense really looked like they were just going to fly around, and they were more uninhibited by all of the pomp and circumstance of the of the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was, I mean, just back to the O-line for a moment, and, and you're right, Pacheco runs with with a ferocity out there. He's, he's a guy, he's not gonna, you're not going to just tap him on the leg and he's going to fall down. Yeah. Uh, but the line did a nice job. A, we talked about the protection of Patrick Mahomes. He was not sacked one time. Uh, the Chiefs combined for 158 rushing yards. Pacheco had 76 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry. So he, I mean, they were get they were opening up some holes. He was doing a lot on his own. Obviously, he had the scrambles of Patrick Mahomes as part of that as well. But he had McKinnon who who ran for 34 yards on four carries. That's an 8.5 yard per carry average. I mean, yeah. they were getting it done. They were able to do it and take some of the heat off Mahomes, who only threw it 27 times. He was 21 of 27, 182 yards, really efficient, three touchdowns, no yeah. picks. Well, and the other thing, too, you know, you thought that maybe the the uh, Eagles would be more dominant in the run game, and they only averaged 3.6 yards per carry. The entire Kansas City team averaged 6.1, and a lot of those really – Patrick Mahomes, I mean, those were some courageous runs that he yeah. had. So, And he's not that fast. You know, he's not like Jalen Hurts as far as his talent, but he's just got a really good sense. And I think especially that's one of those things that defensively, you know their quarterback's hobbled and that there's going to be, you know, he's probably not going to try to leave the pocket. And so you kind of check that off in your mind, like, nah, he's he's not going to run. And he surprised him. So I thought the element of surprise got them a little bit too. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's I, th- as a defender, I would think Mahomes would be a nightmare because he can run. You're right. I don't think he's as fast as Hurts and and all of that. But he makes so many awkward, off balance, crazy throws. It what do you do as a defender? You're like, all right, yeah. is he going to flip the ball? Is he going to run? 
He's he's fast enough to do damage, obviously, with his legs, but he makes so many just crazy throws. You just I feel like as a defender in pursuit, you're kind of in no man's land as to what do I do? Do I rush out? He's gonna flip the ball over my head to a guy who's hanging back there. Do I stay in my in my spot here and and wait and see if he takes off? He he just he presents so many problems because of how unorthodox he is. Yeah, well, and then you look at the fact that, you know, at halftime, probably what they're talking about, and I know I would do this as a as a defender, I'm like, okay, well, He's probably not going to run. He had run two times for 11 yards. But the the big thing with him, how Patrick Mahomes typically gets it done, is that he runs to wait for somebody to get open. Right. You know, and, and then he throws some kind of a strange – I think he had a little shot put – I was thinking about you because we were talking about the over-under yeah. on how many off-beat throws that he would have. He had like a little shot put. It almost throw. looked like it almost got picked off. Or yeah. It was, it was in traffic. It didn't. Yeah. Didn't go well on that. But one. I mean, for for your defense, you know, defensively with the Eagles, you're probably just scratching off Mahomes, thinking, "All right, he's banged up, but probably not going to be running downfield." And then, you know, I thought that was uh, something that sort of took him by surprise. Yeah, it just it was it was interesting to see the Chiefs uh, after that game against the the Bengals, where the O line didn't look good, and there were reasons again, the three replacement guys on there, but they made a commitment after that that loss to the Bucks in the Super Bowl to completely revamp their O line. And I think, you know, especially if you're going to invest that much in your quarterback, you better protect him. You, be, you better you better put the, the hogs up in front of him, if you will. So they, they made that commitment, and, man, it, it paid off. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm looking at their offensive line. Uh, their, their center is Reeder. Their right guard is Wisniewski. Uh, Fisher, I, I think it's Eric Fisher I've heard mm-hmm. of, the left tackle. And then Schwartz on the other side, uh, the right tackle. Then there's Lay. Duvernay Tardif. He's the Canadian. I think this is the guy that was the doctor that okay. went to work and fight the the <laughs> pandemic during the the pandemic year. But yeah, those are those are the guys, and mm. they went out and just got it done. Bunch of no names. All right, this hour of Wyman and Bob is brought to you by Muckle Shoot Casino. Coming up, there was plenty happening in the Super Bowl that got on our nerves. It's what's bugging Bob, maybe what's bugging Dave, what's bugging Lefko. It's all coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on seven ten. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's bugging Bob. Well, I think this one was probably bugging a lot of people out there, including the players, because I saw players from other teams tweeting about this through the whole game. How is it you can spend $800,000 on that field? It was installed, according to what I read, two weeks ago. And they'd been rolling. You know how it's on that uh, that roller? It Tray. rolls out. Yeah. And they've been rolling, getting sun exposure on it every single day and you know, to meticulously putting this together. And to have the field conditions be as poor as they were. And I was seeing, I was retweeting some of the people. I mean, Schlereth was going nuts on it. Quandre Diggs was talking about how, what a joke it was. I mean, just all these players talking about the field. And you could see it out there. Yeah. Uh, even to the point where you're looking at the final field goal attempt by the Kansas City Chiefs and seeing seeing uh, Butker lining up and he's going across the paint and they're talking about it. The, the fact that it was even a topic, like, oh, man, yeah, hopefully he's going to be able to have his footing on what is – a chip shot field goal, but yeah. now there's drama because the field is so bad. He could have easily slipped with that plant yeah. lag, right? And so, you know, 
to me, it gets to a point where it's like it's form over function. It's just it's a little bit too much because there was not only the huge logo in the middle of the field, and and look, the paint is slippery. It, it's it's a problem. So, and I've been on a field before with the paint, and yeah, it's it's problematic. And then the other thing was the big logo that was on what about the twenty five yard line, I guess, and it had like a cityscape of I think Phoenix, and then it had the you know the Super Bowl fifty seven logo. Uh, and yeah, why why would you why would you not have that in the best shape possible and stop painting the field? To me, that's just that's ridiculous. It's enough already. You know, it's like we're we're here for the game. We're here to see the best game possible. It's not to see what color or what fancy crap they put on the field that's going to make it slippery for the for the players. It dr- drives me crazy. Well, and it seemed like even in areas where there wasn't paint, that the that you saw guys losing their footing. And well, it- yeah, the Kansas City started opened there that uh, last year, and they were complaining about it like crazy during that week. So I don't, you know, and this is a kind of an interesting, you know, Pete was talking about this earlier uh, in in the season, saying, you know, well, we really want to get back to more natural grass. Natural grass is by far the least consistent yeah. because each, you know, each region has, you know, different grass. They're growing different things. There's different sun and rain and all that stuff. And so, you know, the most consistent is the field turf that they have now. Not AstroTurf, but the field turf they like have they now. Have at, at- yeah, at CenturyLink, Lumen, Lumen Field. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, look, that's to me, that's the one that you can like. You could, you know, exactly how long the strands are. I think the strands are like four inches long, and then you put the rubber down in there so that there's so much you can absolutely like almost scientifically control that. Whereas you're talking about nature happening with grass and whether or not you know. And we saw it in Germany where there was, you know, that was a soccer field built for 170-pound men, not 320-pound men. So, you know, you saw them slipping around out there. So, yeah, that's the one part. And you and I, like you said, talked about it before. Like, we don't want there to be snow or rain or any injuries or anything. You just want to see the two best teams go at it with no other elements other than you don't know what play they're going to run. And, you know, to me, that that just kind of took away from it a little bit. Yeah, that was a bummer. And then reading that they spent that almost a million dollars on that turf and to have it be that much of a talking point, having it that much of a concern, then reading that the all the Eagles changed their cleats and all, I mean, just... Really? Yeah, just that pile of shoes that yeah. they had. And, yeah, just like, yeah. why is this even a topic? That should be the furthest thing from anybody's mind. That should be, all right, that's taken care of. Yeah. We'll worry about whatever, but the field is, no, that's not, that's the zero... Uh, when you when you're on this kind of platform, this kind of stage, where we every year the Super Bowl is the most watched event program period on TV above anything else every year, and you've got all the financial wherewithal to to make it great. Why? What, how is that a problem? It's just you're scratching your head, going, "I can't believe this is an issue out there." But that that was that was ridiculous. Uh, and then the other thing. I enjoyed the halftime show. Like I, I, Rihanna's got a lot of good tunes. I like a lot of her songs. Good voice. Yeah, yeah. I it so, sounds great when it's on tape. Um, was, it was all for sure. Well, there's a vocal track going. She had a hot mic, but there's there's a vocal track going, which is generally what happens at the Super Bowl. Taylor and I were talking about this, and he knows a producer on the show, and I heard an interview uh, with a guy who's like in charge of the whole thing two years ago or something, and he was talking about, yeah, 90%, 95% of the acts are 
there's a vocal track. The, the instruments generally aren't live. It's just kind of because of how quickly they've got to do it and set it up and tear it down. You know, you can't leave equipment set up. Like when a band goes into a building, they sound check and they dial everything in. They get everything dialed in perfectly and then they leave it. You're ready to go. You take the stage. It's all dialed in. You can't do that with the Super Bowl. So mm. there's just a lot of constraints to what they can do. And, you know, I thought it was good. But seeing seeing the outpouring of greatest halftime show ever, I'm like, come on, man. I know it's all subjective. It's opinion, whatever. If that's you're a huge Rihanna fan, then maybe it was the greatest ever. But to me, it's not even a discussion. To me, it's Prince is just in his own his own uh, 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 building, his own room. You just leave him there because that's to me the standard, and everybody else can fight for who's the best. Was after he that. playing live? Yes, yeah, yes, and singing and everything. Yes, absolutely, in the rain. Didn't uh, Rihanna start off up way up high, or did she On get lifted up? Yeah, uh, did she? I was really nervous watching her up there, man. I mean, it was like if one of those little those uh, cables breaks. Yeah, that would be. I mean, even having the security awful. of that cable, that I would be a little nervous up there. Yeah. Man, that would look cool, but yeah, I would. I don't. I would be probably frozen. That was the one thing I was impressed about with her. I mean, there was no railing or anything. She's just standing on what looked like a, I don't know, was it like six by ten or something like that? Uh, you know, looked like a mirror or something. But yeah, it was uh, look kind of scary, man. The older I get, the more I'm afraid of heights. But, <laughs> but I thought I thought her sound, her song, uh, her her voice, all that, all sounded good. It was fine. It just didn't blow my skirt up. Uh, <laughs> the dancers were pretty. That was that was kind of cool. The way they had those loose things yeah. on, the way they were moving around and whatnot. Yeah, visually, it was it was a it was good half. It was it was entertaining, and I do like her music. So there there were you know the songs awesome, but. You know, again, I'm not a huge fan of the vocal tracks and, you know, the hot mic over the top of it to go, yay, hey, you know, to make it, you know, to pull all that off. But mm-hmm. it was it was good. But to me, it wasn't in the same hemisphere as Prince personally. Uh, but I I thought the national anthem was outstanding. And mm-hmm. you know me, I am far from a country music fan. I couldn't name one song that Chris Stapleton sings, but he killed it. I thought he was outstanding. I loved his rendition of the national anthem. So it was more about the the version. Yeah, I thought it was his... approach. I think his voice sounded great. I, I loved just how he approached it with the guitar. It just it just fit. It just I thought he crushed it. I really did. I don't. I couldn't name a song. I, I don't know anything about him. As I know who he is, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. And he just I was blown away. I thought he nailed it. And he didn't try to gild the lily. You know, like add something uh, more oh, not, you know, no. special on, on an already <laughs> yeah. great song. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't trying to dress it up. Yeah, yeah. He just he just went at it, and I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was really really great. So good. Uh, well, I'm glad I I was like, eh, all right. There's the guy singing the national anthem. You didn't, it didn't I, strike you. The or? only thing that bothers me is when somebody throws extra. You know, tunes in there, whatever. Okay, just finish the song. It's (laughs) a good song by itself. When they drag it out. All right, coming up, Matt Brash had an interesting offseason, and we'll get the breakdown on it from Chris Langan. Is that how you say his last name? Langan. He's the director of pitching at Driveline. We all hear about Driveline. People reference Driveline baseball all the time. So we'll get some insight from him and the work they do there. He's going to join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.